Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Victory Bells podcast. Brought to you right here from the Hypnotic Donuts studios. Guys, if you're in DFW and you are not checking out our boys at Hypnotic Donuts, uh, whether you be in Dallas or you be in uh, good old Northwest DFW up there in Denton, uh, please stop by and check out uh, our, our guys up there and uh, you know check out our boy James, who's on the boards as uh, Throws Like Crazy. He's been a big fan of ours for a long time and been a contributor on the boards for forever over RRS. And uh, those guys are big Texas Tech supporters and uh, I would also suggest that you follow them on Instagram at Hypnotic Donuts if you ever would like to torture yourself, especially with so many people uh, the day after Fat Tuesday, Matt. By well, the way, yeah, by and, the way, and, by the way this yeah, is hey, Matt Claire. Hey, I'm here hey, too. Hey, 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 what's up? That's now, a really professional uh, interview. Really, really professional introduction there for you. It's it's what we've all come to expect out of you, Will. You're it's just total, a big big radio star now. You don't have any time for the slowly podcast. We understand. Just a big hey, day journal. But getting back to uh, James and our friends, I mean, let's be honest. There's nothing to do on Saturdays anymore now that college football's not here. Well, there's one nothing thing. to do. <laughs> there's nothing to do on Sunday because the NFL's gone. So wake up and get your donuts at Hypnotic Donuts, and then have a, a great rest of your day. You sit around and watch college basketball, or you can, uh, you know, just you know do things around the house. You can take the kiddos. You can, uh, as as you've done, my friend, and you can do you can just do all sorts. There's just all sorts of activities on a Saturday. You might speaking make it of, to Bed Bath and Beyond, I, but I, I don't know if we time. It could get crazy. Well, speaking of college basketball, uh, if you're listening to this, it's probably if if Will's ambitious, it'll be Wednesday evening. But most likely no, it'll, it'll be, be no, no, no. Okay, it'll okay. be Wednesday evening. We're we're rocking right. and rolling. Okay, so Tech just defeated OU at home. Uh, we had some F. Uh, Trey Young chance, which you know is a highly, uh, highly uh, debated topic. Some some hot sports opinions on that. Um, and I, I, you know, as someone that was watching at home and that was not at the game, I, I cringed a little knowing that that would be uh, bantered about. But uh, I don't know. I uh, I remember my first beer. But uh, <laughs> but 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 man, I mean, outside of that. I mean, wow! I I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the the United Spirit Arena jumping like that in a while, and this team is uh, I don't know, man. They're putting it together. I, you uh, you're there in Lubbock. You're at the games. You're covering this team up close and personal, and you've been covering Tech basketball for a while. So I'm interested to really just kind of kick it off with your thoughts on Tech basketball before we get into some of this football recruiting stuff. Well. Just kind of because of unforeseen circumstances and just kind of our schedules here the last couple of weeks, we haven't really, uh, you know, had time for a podcast as they've gone on this, you know, this, I guess now they're on a, you know, seven game winning streak and I guess the last four opponents it is they've beat by double digits, which is saying something in this conference. I mean, it's the best, I mean, you can, you can say whatever you want about how much they're kind of beating each other up in the big 12, but 
I mean, it's it is the best conference in basketball, and while everybody else falters, Tech just kind of keeps on rolling along. And if 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 if, if you would have told me, you know, back in October that this is what this team was going to be in early February, I would have told you you were high as a kite. Um, I, you know, I I really thought they were going to have a fun season. Thought they'd make the tournament, maybe finish. I think if you were ambitious, you thought maybe you would finish fourth in the Big Twelve. Uh, but didn't think that they would evolve into this kind of like, just kind of, you know, defensive, just like hammer away at your team that is just a bunch of kind of role players outside of Keenan Evans. And, and I'm not saying that guys aren't talented. I'm just saying that uh, you, you just kind of divvy up what everybody does because of your depth. I mean, nobody really has to take over a game other other, other than Evans. And I think it's it's one of your biggest strengths on this team. I think you love the youth on it, you love the mixture of the young and the old, and it's, it's just it's just so much fun to watch this team, especially for someone that was watching basketball in that arena five years ago when they went 1-17 in Big 12 play, which is crazy to think about. Well, yeah, and I can even think back to my days in Lubbock when, I mean, we went to games in the U.S., or United Spirit Arena, um, and I mean, I remember beating – Kansas on a last minute type of deal, everybody going crazy, rushing the court. But I don't remember that ever being a sellout. And um, just the the sheer amount of students and fans like really making it loud. I mean, it was noticeable on TV. And I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot to say about that. But um, I mean, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head from when uh, I remember when I was on vacation in New York and the team was actually in town. We couldn't make it. Right. Obviously, they were, they were at Square Garden. Yeah. Right. And then I remember listening. I think it was you and, and Level and AD. I was waiting on my wife to get ready. You know how that goes. Yep. And so I was just passing time. I think you guys had done a Matador report or something like that. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know who any of these guys are. Uh, just so many new faces, you know, got the transfers, the freshmen. Um, and then from listening to that and then sort of, you know, a month later, kind of seeing that they're putting something together. And then to think on top of that, you know, Zach Smith, who if I remember correctly, was was contemplating a draft grade from the NBA. He was, and he was preseason then, first team all Big 12. All right, and then comes back, and, and we know his story. I mean, now he's not available. I'm not sure if he's going to be available again, um, but they really didn't skip a beat, you know. And, um, you know, to go that many games and to only have four losses is truly impressive. So uh, kudos to, to Coach Beard. And I mean, that's just my point of view from somebody that doesn't cover it as closely. But I mean, you've got these two freshmen that, you know, they're not guys that are one and done guys. So you, you get that back plus whatever they can do on the recruiting trail. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty exciting times. Yeah. And, and both those guys, Zaire Smith, Jarrett Culver, both those kids were three star players. They weren't, you know, even, you know, top, you know, 100 or like guys that were, you know, you know, upper four star or five star players. I mean, they were just guys that you just kind of that tech just kind of evaled the sure. hell out of. Sure. And don't don't get me wrong. I mean, both of them had Texas offers late in the process, and I think a lot of people were interested. But I just don't think anybody thought that those two would be what they are. I mean, hell, there, there's people talking about Zaire Smith next year if he kind of keeps developing as a shooter, as a guy that'll be a top fifteen pick. You know, no, no next year as a sophomore. So I think that just says a lot about. Uh, how good they've done in, in evaluating. And, and, I mean, you talk about these other guys they've added, too. Tommy Hamilton, Brandon Francis. Uh, and then, I mean, they've got a couple of – they've got a bunch of other guys coming in. So, I mean, if anybody yeah. thinks this is the end of the road, I mean, it's going to be really yeah, good no here way. for a while. I mean, Smith jumps out the gym. I mean, his head is above the rim on, like, a rebound, right? I mean, the yep. guy's insane. Um, well, I mean, 
I don't know. That's all I have for basketball talk. But I guess uh, before we kind of wrap that, uh, I know I saw your tweet here recently that uh, all the games are basically sold out. So yeah. that's obviously a good thing. What are uh, what are some of the obviously they got to play Kansas, but what are some of the remaining, I guess, matchups or uh, what do they have to do to, to sort of keep a, a stranglehold on the Big 12 here? So it's it's it, the math's pretty simple here at this point. You only got five games left in Big Twelve play, and you lead Kansas by a game. You lead uh, West Virginia by two games, and now OU has basically kind of fallen out of the race after you beat them uh, the other night. They, they they can't win it. So it's basically, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's it, it's really just Tech and, and Kansas, unless West Virginia makes some big run here at the end of the year. Sure. So five games left. And if you went four and one, you would no matter what at least share, you know, share the Big Twelve championship with, with Kansas. But they would have to win out while you went uh, four and one at this point. So they have they have to go five and zero, oh, and you have to go four and one in order for you to tie. And I think that'll be hard for Kansas, and and I don't think it'll be as hard for Tech to go four and one. So uh, this weekend you got you're going to Baylor, who's won four in a row. Uh, they're kind of surging here late. That game kind of scares me a little bit, but it's Waco on Saturday night. And then they go to Oklahoma State next week. I can't remember if it's Tuesday or Wednesday, but it, it's one of the two days, and that won't be easy either. And then you play Kansas on Saturday. And, and, and kind of my thought here is you wonder if somebody could kind of grab Kansas here on Saturday or next week because if they can, then that would mean – I believe, if my math's right, that would mean that uh, next Saturday afternoon, whenever Tech plays Kansas here in Lubbock, that if Tech won, they would they would seal it and they would win the Big 12. So uh, there, there's just all sorts of craziness going on here where you could – and, I mean, ne- never would have thought in a million years. And, honestly, like as crazy as it sounds, but if, if things keep going, I mean, th- this Tech basketball team, I mean, not an exaggeration, will be kind of one of the stories of the decade in college basketball – where you go from a team that didn't even make that didn't make the tournament last year to potentially, and if you do, you know, knocking off Kansas and then you know breaking their thirteen year win streak or I guess thirteen year conference title streak in the Big Twelve, and on top of that, I mean, you're, you're going to have some kind of run here in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited to see what this team does here down the stretch. Uh, just, just just a group that you love how they play they never get too up or too down they're super even killed and as far as like march madness goes i've always said that the the teams that make it the farthest are the ones that play you know out of their minds stellar defense which tech does yep. and and secondly you have to have some guy whether it's a point guard or a shooting guard that will kind of win you know and to put it as bluntly as i can when everything just kind of goes to shit on offense you just kind of give him the ball and you say okay Please go make a play for me. And you've got that. So I, I, I just feel like this team has got a lot going for it, and they're just going to be a really tough out. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens these next three weeks, man. Well, it'll be exciting for everybody on our board because they get to fill out two brackets at least. One <laughs> one the uh, the Tech Homer bracket and then one the, uh, the to hedge their bets. The, the national title bracket and yeah. then the other one. All the way. So. Tech, 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 tech. So... I mean, it's, but you know what? As crazy as that sounds, they like, and and I'm not, I'm not joking. They could, they could, they could do it if they got the right draw. And I don't, I don't know if they how they would fare in Final Four or or what they would, you know, do if they got that far. But I, I just know a lot of people that have watched a lot of Tech basketball, and this is one of the deepest teams they've had. And I think the one thing you're scared about is running into a team with some like imposing big men. 
like a like a big time center. That would be the only thing I agree that would really kind of scare me. Um, but anything else, and, and you're going to be in it with with any team you play in the tournament. So, do we want to? I know I joke to do. We want to touch the uh, controversial chance with a ten foot pole, or just let it be. I mean, um, there's already like fifty threads on it. I mean, we can we we, we can I mean, touch were, on it. Yeah. I guess you were there, right? I mean, so, yeah, I was so there. I, saw, I, heard I was on TV, or I was watching on TV, and I heard it. And I thought, oh, man, that's that's not what they're saying. And then it was. And it was short-lived, I feel. It wasn't uh, very long. Yeah, it but it's one of those things like, you know, you're there, so I'll let you kind of, like, talk about the, the experience. But even on TV, I was like, Ugh, and then it went away. And, of course, the announcers didn't say anything, and I didn't see much, like, on social yeah. media until after the fact. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, tech fans do get a, a – a, reputation or a rap you know i've never seen any batteries thrown or any dumb stuff like that me either but i mean i've seen people liquored up a little bit you know running their mouth but i don't know i mean i've i've watched basketball since high school and we used to chant bullshit or you know kind of mess with the other team but to uh whoever got that one going i just did not I just figured that would be the one guy who's a little whiskey bent and nobody joins him. Uh, but to, to hear it in unison, I was a little surprised. Yeah, to be honest, in, in the thing up until that point, I had been thrilled with the way the students had handled it because what they did, they had some fun signs that were, you know, I would say in good taste and just, you know, joking and having a good time. Because I'm, I'm all for, you know, I think in a game, trash talking a guy, as long as, like I said, it's in good taste and you're having fun with it and, um, you know, you're not digging too deep. So I, I had thought that the students had done an awesome job of, of really being in the game. And I, I kid you not, any time that he touched the ball, he got showered with booze every mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. time. And I have never, ever heard that in a basketball game. And, I, you know, I, I was fine with all that. Had no problem with all that. Thought that was all in good fun. Uh, just home court atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. And then that happened. And I'll just tell you that I think everybody there, everybody sitting around me in the media, and any, and I think there were even a bunch of students that kind of sit where we do, and they were like, eh, I don't know about this. And look, I like I said, I have no problem with people talking trash, with you having a good time and getting after it. Heck, th- there have been fans of like other teams that have been sitting so – just kind of for some, you know, kind of, you know, behind the curtain. Where I sit in, as far as media row goes, I sit right next to the opposing bench, and I sit right next to uh, the opponents, like uh, what they call like the family and friends section, where like the boosters sit, and like some parents, you know, so like parents sit there for for like the other team, and like some family. Like, and, and early in the year, there was a guy that was uh, the older brother of one of the Kansas State players that was hoop hooting and hollering. And he was having a good time and laughing back and forth with the students. And it was, like, all in good fun. Like, they were, you know, yelling at each other and, and you know, talking trash to each other. But, uh, you know, it was, it was all in good fun at the end of the game. You know, they t- him and a couple of students talked to each other and, I think, you know, shook hands and all that. So, I, I'm all on board for that. But I, I just was – I'm not on board for, like, the FU chance and, and all that. I, I just think yeah. that on, on top of it being, like, a little classless, I think it's just super uninventive. And there's nothing – much to it and on top of that it's a kid that and we can get into this too i i think it's a kid that you know you regardless of what you think of you know what the perception is i'll just tell you he's not a bad kid Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm a guy from pampa where his dad is from and i mean everybody loves rayford and pampa as you know like good good person 
Uh, and everybody loves loves Trey that I know, and I know a lot of people that personally know Trey, and they just talk about what a good kid he is. And sure. He just, I, I just think, that, that, and that was more of my thing too, is that he was a kid that I understand the the emotions, and I know that he said some things about Tech that he probably regrets saying at this point. I, I would guess, but I, I just don't think he was a kid specifically that deserved something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, nobody really deserves it. I yeah. mean, I it's one of those deals where um, I don't know what it is. Obviously, he's a tremendously talented player, but there is also an aspect of it to where, you know, ESPN and whomever yes, else yes, is yes, really yes, kind yes. of just shoving it down your throat. I mean, I even saw a screenshot where they were, like, streaming his stats at, during the Kansas-Iowa State game, yes. like – I don't know. I don't get it. Um, I haven't seen anything like that for a long time. It seems like we're back watching LeBron James driving a Hummer to high school and, you know, all the constant daily conversation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, again, I laughed at the the photos of him as like a five-year-old with a tech uh, sweater on doing guns up, right? Which and everybody, good, which, is, which is in good taste and fun, right? Yeah, that's all fun. That's it gets back to the creativity, like you were talking about. All the stuff about overrated, booing when he gets the ball, all that standard fare, right? You could go to any college campus and pretty much see that. Whenever you see any sort yeah. of a rivalry or a, an important conference game, you're going to have that. But yeah, I mean, without, I guess, without elongating the conversation i agree it's in it's in uh it's poor form it's not even creative um but i guess i don't know if that this means that i'm like straddling the line here but a large proponent of what we do is social media and you know a lot of the opinions are shared on social media and and you know our board is a, a message board that's where opinions are shared and uh there's certainly you know multiple opinions and multiple sides but the the fact that we I say we, maybe as a society, like we get on social media and, you know, we've got people calling it sickening and, oh, this disrespectful Texas Tech fans. Like, I I feel like the way we respond to stuff like this is so not indicative of who we really are in our daily lives, right? I mean, I don't know some of these people saying that stuff, but I guarantee somebody's cut them off on the highway before and they've said, Oh, you mother, yeah, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or, or whatever. Right. I mean, everyone, like nobody's perfect and I've yet to meet a perfect person and a couple of dumb college kids started a chant yeah. and a couple of other dumb college kids repeated it. Um, and, and obviously as we have the conversation, uh, there's a, a bunch of different people of different backgrounds, different ages, different thought processes that are on our board but even outside of that on like a Twitter or something else, you know, oh, well, yeah, that's what I expect from Texas Tech. I mean, it's just not realistic. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's there's, not. What, 35, 40,000 students and countless alumni um, and, yeah. and faculty and staff. And, and that was probably a group of 15 to 20 kids, you know, probably yeah. a group of buddies from a fraternity or something. And I will, so, I, will, I will tell you, it was not a very big group that joined in on the chant as far as the students, I would say it was probably 40 to 50 kids that really got it rolling. So, well, and that doesn't make it wrong or right. No, I, no, no, it doesn't. Yeah. When we step back and we forget the fact that we do follow and cover tech, just the fact that like, if this were, for example, everybody keeps bringing up Baker Mayfield in, in Oklahoma, which is funny. Cause that happened when I was in New York too. And I get on the taxi and I hadn't watched football all day. And I get on Twitter and I keep seeing all this and, and I'm laughing. I'm laughing because honestly, I just thought it was funny and I wasn't 
I wasn't going to be on there like, oh, yes, he should apologize and blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. I was literally laughing at it. I know it's not right, but I'm laughing at it, you know, whatever. And, and you know, it's all fake, right? I mean, oh, okay, well, he got on a notes app and he apologized. So, well, now it's okay. Now, we, okay. But we it, was, it, was like, it was a BS apology. That yeah. Thing. So, yeah. Yeah, you're going to tell me if some uh, guy in a uh, tech hat and a North Face, like, records himself on Instagram apologizing that, oh, okay, everything's okay. We're back it's to being cool. a respectful yeah. fan base. I mean, it's just kind of silly to me, right? Um, oh, it was an intense game, very back and forth. Uh, somebody made a stupid decision, and that's it, right? I mean, nobody owes anybody an apology. I thought, uh, speaking of being a good kid, I mean, I, I'm sure you saw Trey Young's postgame presser. Oh, I was there. I was there. When, yeah. I was there when he talked. So you know, he handled it. He gets it, right? This kid, literally that same day, LeBron James was like, "What do you mean? What decision?" Yeah, he's coming to the NBA. All his only decision is, you know, how, how much, much money he's going to spend, <laughs> how much he can save. He was literally going to be in the NBA next year, the same NBA where you travel around to different cities. And then they're going to be like, hey, Trey, you're a piece of shit. I hope yeah. you lose tonight. No, I mean, it's what's going to happen. So um, anyway, not not condoning it, kind of talking on both sides of it. And that's probably going to be the end of the conversation because we've talked about it a little too long. But it just seems silly to me, right? I mean, I've oh, I agree. literally logged on to the site today, and there's like multi-page threads and multiple threads, and um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, no, yeah. don't, I don't care that much about that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't either, and I, in, in the fleeting moment, I don't like it, but I think it's one of those things where everybody says, you know, college kids being stupid, college kids move on. It's, it's. I mean, it's not like. You know, it's not like they were throwing stuff at him or, like, anybody, like, tried to do anything, like, assaulting him. It was just at college, like, a, a small group of college kids being stupid. I don't like it, but it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, just to kind of wrap it up, too, I agree with you that what ESPN has done, I think, honestly, in my opinion, to him, is a disservice to the kid and the kind of player he is and the kind of person he is. Because they have just tried to force feed him down everyone's throat twenty four seven in anything college basketball related. When when he, when everybody's talking about him for his best player in the year, I would argue there's like three or four other players that are just as good as him. Um, oh, he's not even in the top five of the mock draft for ESPN. No. Uh, there's a kid named DeAndre Ayton at Arizona who is an absolute freak that is tearing it up out there. Uh, who's a forward? Uh, Marvin Bagley at Duke is another kid who's an absolute freak at 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 Duke, and we don't talk about him that much. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just well, think it's, it's I, I think the bottom line is you get you look at it. Big Twelve, best conference in college basketball. Yeah. Even if we would both bet a hundred dollars that maybe the Big Twelve doesn't win the championship, right? But yeah. Top to bottom, best conference, no no debating there. What that creates, though, is you've got – I mean, I know we keep going back to ESPN, but really whoever airs college basketball, same type of thing, right? Um, you're going to you're gonna see, okay, number 23 at number 7, right? And then that goes for the whole Big 12. You've got like seven or eight teams ranked Almost, at any yeah. time. So you're going to have in conference these big matchups. So you got Big Monday. You've got the Wednesday game. you got whatever, whatever. And yeah, I was just uh, I was just working from the house this afternoon. And they're already pubbing the the game uh, Oklahoma at Kansas for next Monday, yep. and it was literally all uh, Trey Young. They didn't even mention a Kansas player by name. They just said and they Kansas said, has like two all Big Twelve players. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I get it, right? I mean, we talk about that for a long time, but yeah, no, I mean, when I 
when I said that earlier, it's true. I mean, you remember when LeBron James was in high school, and it was like yes, every day it was something different. I haven't – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not thinking about it. But when it comes to basketball specifically, I have not seen so much coverage of, of one person in a long time. I mean, I remember when Carmelo was doing his thing at Syracuse. Syracuse yeah. They never talked about him this much. Nope. I mean – they didn't yeah. even talk about Steph Curry that much till the March Madness. Because what are you going to do? Talk and about Davidson, Davidson every no, day? You're not going to talk about Davidson ever. No. And, and 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 like I said, I think the thing that just disappoints me the most, and and from what I've heard through, and like I said, I'm I'm from you know the same t- town as Rayford, so I just know a lot of people that know him and know his family. I think that frankly, you know, they've been kind of upset with how you know that ESPN's covered him, and, and I think Trey doesn't like all the attention. Uh, his family doesn't like all the attention, and I think it's 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 kind of worn down on him, to to be honest. And I think maybe that's kind of fed into him, kind of having this this drop in production here late in the year. Like like, I, like I'm being serious, and and, and I just well, think I hate it. I know we said we'd stop, but I got one more thing to say, okay. and then, then that'll be the last thing. I I thought of it like this, like with the way I mean, it is what it is at this point. But if everything plays out and we're having this same conversation in a year, obviously he'll be in the NBA. I think everyone agrees he's not coming back to Oklahoma. No, no way. But I I think that that you look at his recruitment and maybe I'm nitpicking, but based on his comments and his reasoning and just what has transpired, I mean, it was kind of I hate to say a waste of time, but like I you know what I mean? I, I don't like Oklahoma's not gonna have a conference championship. They're not gonna have they're they're not gonna have a, a Big Twelve tournament championship i highly doubt and let's face it i mean they They haven't they've already got they've already got nine losses on the year yeah yeah so i mean in terms of the tournament like they'd really have to turn a corner so you just you ask yourself like you know as a if the shoe were on the other foot right and it were tech and he was here you wouldn't have the same team basketball right i mean you watch it and and we're sort of invested because we knew him and we thought that there was a realistic shot that he came to tech. But I think he chose Oklahoma because at the end of the day, Long Kruger was like, look, you can run the entire offense. You can be the you show. Can, yeah. You can do what you need to do. And I will promise you that Mr. Krzyzewski and uh, the other Bill coaches, Self, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were like, I mean, we're going to run our offense and you're going to have a chance to do this, that, and the other. Which is and what I mean, Chris Beard told him. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you read between the lines and some of his comments, that's kind of what he was saying is that, oh, well, you know, this style and that style. I mean, it's not a style. It's he has the ball at all times. And if you don't like it, you know, that's, that's, that's our game. So is- I don't know. I think it's a very, it'll be a very unique thing to look at because the coverage of him is not going to change. He's going to the NBA and Oklahoma, honestly, maybe they get some cachet from this with some other recruits, but they are not a one and done school. Right. And, and, and you look back to like, even when Texas had Kevin Durant, I mean, he was awesome. I mean, I remember him in, in college just being phenomenal. And then you go to, what was the guy at Kansas state who played for the heat? Oh, uh, uh, Mayo. No, uh, not no, Mayo. No, he, he, that he was played, USC. Uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, starts with a B Marcus Beasley. Yes, I mean, he was awesome too. And you never had that kind of coverage. You never had that kind of hype. So uh, it's very interesting to me. That's the last thing I'll say is that was the only thought that ran through my head today is all this coverage, all this hubbub. And at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is wins and losses, right? Yeah. Yep. He will be remembered as a very good college player on a stat sheet. 
and that's it. Yeah, and here, here's something for you that will blow your mind. This year, in this season, when he account, if he does not account for 50 of their points, so either that means if he does not account yeah. for 50 of your points as a scorer or with assists, uh, then they've lost eight of their nine games. If he does not account for 50 points in a single game, think about that. 50. Wow. So, I mean, I think it should just tell you a lot about, you know, how that offense has been built solely around him. Because whenever he comes out of the game, they look kind of lost. But the thing is, they've got other players that are good on that basketball team. Yeah. I mean, Christian But they don't touch the basketball. Yep. Yep. I mean, think about that. I don't know. Anyway, that that's the last I'll say. Yeah, I mean, right. Tech, you yeah. you you hit the nail on the head. Those defense and it was just hustle plays, man. A, a, a play that I thought that changed the entire game. Um, of course, now I'm going to show my ignorance. Who's the center? Who's the big man? Um, Norris Odiasa. Yeah, yeah, he he shoots a shot, and you're like, oh crap! And but he gets the rebound out of three guys. He out hustles all of them, and it opens up a, a opportunity for a three pointer, and the guy nails it. Right? I mean, it's the little things like that 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 help you win games, and that's really really the difference in this team i mean they just are they they go balls to the wall for the entire game no excuses and if they're not he yanks them out of the game and so uh it's refreshing to kind of see that from uh the head coach and and it's uh it's a a, it's really a tribute to him uh where they are right because you can't have all, all these mixes of younger and older guys and uh, and, and have this success. I mean, it's been, it's been fun to watch, especially yeah. coming from this end of the mic as somebody that just simply doesn't follow it as closely as you do. So uh, I'd, uh, I would imagine more of our listeners align with, with that side of the, the fence than, uh, you know, knowing who everyone is uh, on the bench and all that good stuff, but enough basketball talk. I hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully you guys didn't turn off the podcast yet. Now we'll <laughs> get to the good stuff. Yeah. And uh, by the good stuff, you mean we're going to get to a little uh, recruiting wrap-up because uh, just kind of some circumstantial stuff where you and I, uh, were, were, our schedules didn't line up last week. We didn't get to do a post-National uh, Signing Day uh, podcast. So real quickly, before we kind of, you know, this week and next week, I would say, you know, really starting on early next week, whenever we really get going with 2019 stuff, um, we just kind of wanted to finally wrap up this 2018 class one last time and uh, just kind of give our overall thoughts on the, the group you sign in. You sign uh, 17 kids here. So, yeah, Matt, I guess before we get into some of the specifics, just what you overall think of the group they sign and uh, just just what's your thoughts? Uh, two main thoughts. Uh, one, the same thing I said when I joined Level and AD is the six years I've been doing this, it's probably the – the the weirdest recruiting cycle mainly because of the early signing period and then i don't know just usually i'm good when there is just like irons in the fire 20 different things to do it's the chase right yeah and i really feel like from like the end of october to now it's just been like uh, sitting in a bingo hall at a nursing home. It's just <laughs> B-52, you know, and it, it, it's been boring. Um, and, and so, yes, that, you know, weird, boring, kind of uh, I don't get it sort of stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, what I will say is that based on the way the formulas and the rankings are done, you know, they did still hit that star average it, it, they they did have a, a the bulk of this class has just been in the door for a long time, yeah. Um, and I think that 
you know, if we gave the the staff some truth serum, they would have said, you know what, we didn't handle the early signing period very well, uh, and we had some moving targets, and we're going to make up for it next year. And that's about what they said uh, at the press conference. But overall, um, I think there's plenty to like, and I think that, that a lot of the criticism is 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 fair. Uh, but I don't know get booze but i just like we were talking about during our sh- uh, extensive show prep here um <laughs> i'm somewhere in the middle i really am i mean i'm I'm not overly negative but i cannot sit here and put a positive spin on everything all right yeah no and, and, and i'm the same where i i'm mixed on the class as well because there's definitely a lot of players i, I legitimately do like that they took uh i even think they stole a couple kids in this group uh that, that i liked that i thought they did some good evals on but overall you know, while I like some of the group, I, I mean, and I know that Coach Kingsbury, you know, and Coach Gibbs both gave their, you know, reasoning for it being a 17-person signing class and for you only taking four on defense. I just, um, yeah, I, I think there's just an underwhelming factor to it, and you can't really do anything, and, and you can't really defend the, the 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 class rating at the end of the day, you know, as, as a whole. I think at a school like Texas Tech, it's I think just simply you, you've got to recruit a little bit better than you did in this class. And like I said, there are kids I like. In fact, there's really not a player they took that I don't like. I like all the players they took in the class. Legitimately, I, I just feel like you missed out on some guys you could have gotten uh, for, for whatever reason on both sides of the ball. I think specifically on defense, you missed out on a couple of guys. And, and I wonder if it's because you didn't you know maybe push hard enough in October or November on on some of these prospects or maybe you just kind of you know you thought you were in one place with one prospect and it ends up you weren't and so because of that you miss on another prospect and yeah it's it's I I don't know you kind of chase your tail talking about it out loud you you really do because um, that's like I said before I mean you could hammer on that uh, but then at the end of the day we kept I mean for what uh, two to three podcasts after the early signing period you know, we had to point out in bright shining lights that, okay, well, technically less than 30% of all available players are now are still yeah. left. And, and um, it just, it kills your chances. So um, I think, again, you know, I think they'll handle it a little differently. I think you would actually ask Cliff about the rule changes I for did, 2019 yeah. and, and how they'll handle that. I thought he kind of took a pass on that answer, so to say. And made a joke about you know kids being on a college campus for two days. I mean, all that to say, it, it, and I'm not trying to read between lines too much here, but I don't think they're going to bring kids in for official visits nope, in the spring. Like yep, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to shoot their shot with any of these official visitors either. I mean, I can legitimately tell you, of all the years doing this, and you can you know agree or disagree or, or throw in a different opinion, but. Even the Monday before a weekend, there's really no mystery as to who is coming for an official visit this year. No, no. Not at all. Not whatsoever. And so you didn't have any weekends where it was like, oh, we got this guy coming. Yeah, um, there was you know, never, there was never a sexy weekend. Up. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and I looked back, and I can't remember the user that was doing it, but there's one guy that was bumping all these 2018 2018- Things and I, I read the notebook or uh, the the board that I had done before the season started, and there were 19 verbal commitments. So yeah. at one point in time, you had 19 verbal commitments to this class, and you ended up with 17 with several changes. 
So at the end of the day, right, mathematically, uh, uh, strategically, um, whatever you want to call it, I can't sit on this podcast and tell you that this was in any way, shape or form a success. Um, and in, in two years, if, if, and again, we're not here to bash, we're going to talk about what we like, but we can't sit here and talk about how it's a success. You can't have a, a take the ranking out of it. Right. I mean, just look at, to me, you know, forget rankings. There's so many people that could care less about rankings. Right. I mean, yeah. some of these kids are really good players that are two stars. So what? Take all the rankings away um, and ask yourself, you know, you look around the conference. How do we win the Big 12? Right. How do we build a team that's going to win the Big 12? You look at what OU and what Texas and what Baylor and what TCU, you look at what they're adding on a yearly basis. And unless they have some secret sauce or formula, I mean, how are they going to do that? You look at outside of an OU, who has won the Big 12? Baylor. And if we read everything that they were doing, they were. They were evaluating very well, but they're cheating a little bit, right? Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, but but again, they were landing, you know, highly rated guys. They were e- evaluating well. They were developing well, you know, I guess before the, the light was shown on some of the, you know, things they were doing. Right. Uh, but I guess that's a terrible example. Let me go to like Oklahoma State, right? Well, TCU, TCU but, tied for a Big 12 title it, too. Yeah, and, and you look and it's, it's not a secret, right? They're not doing it with two-star guys. They're not doing it with – uh, this, that, and the other. I mean, they're doing it with some highly ranked kids. And um, it, it's not that you have to land those guys. It's that you have to shoot your shot. You have to yeah. really respect them. And I'm I'm always going to have this opinion because in my day-to-day life, I'm in sales. I'm constantly competing against other people that want the business that I have, and I want to go get the business they have. And it's a kill or be killed sort of mentality. And I feel like whether you're one was or whatever the heck it was right uh, or your or or your 10 and one right i mean anyone can point out the obvious about those situations but it's how you sell the brand it's how you sell the opportunity yeah. right and it's about the cadence to your actions and to your efforts and so i feel like uh i mean let's be honest look at let's take okay you signed two four-star kids one of them is eric izakama at one point in time there was no room for eric izakama Yes. He had visited twice and he wasn't a take. So all of a sudden you find out, in my opinion, you find out Gabe Douglas is just, okay, it's not going to happen. Okay. Now we take Eric. I mean, I'm literally at one point, he's not a take and he's no, the highest rated offensive uh, signee. So it's, it's just so much up and down so many things that, that I guess we could get into uh, on that end, but I don't want to hog the mic. I mean, wh- what would you have to add to that? Um, I, you know, I, I, I would just tell you that, yeah, I, I think the up and down of it was, like you said, the, the interesting part. I think defensively, I, I guess my questions were, and you know, you know Coach Gibbs, and, and you know, he, the way he explained it was, even in, even in November, December, we were only ever going to sign maybe six kids on defense. Okay, you know, that, that's fair if, if that was your goal, but you only signed four, so you, you missed out on kids. And on top of that, let's look back here a couple months before that. Uh, you have a couple other kids committed, and you have a defensive end in Cameron Valentine, uh, who ends up, I believe, at one double A. Rice. No, no, I think he got a laid offer okay. from okay. Rice. Okay. Okay. Staff at Rice. Yeah. Okay, so he ends up at Rice, who's not a Power Five school, and and, right. and a smaller non-Power Five school, and and you, at some point he decommitted, and I'm guessing you you told him to look elsewhere. The same thing with uh, John Graves, who at one point was a defensive line commit, 
and apparently you told him to look elsewhere is what it kind of sounded like and he ends up at at uh he ended up at new mexico state yeah you and i've been doing this long enough though you you follow that logic and maybe you were going there with this but why were they taking the first yes, place, yes, right? Yes, and then yes. are we still to believe that Gibbs has to see everyone in person and do these deep evals? If we're supposed to, at the end of the day, right, if we're going to get on here and tell you guys, well, they signed four really good guys. I think Patrick Curley's a diamond in the rough, blah, 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 which he very well could be, right? Could be, and I like his film, yeah. But weren't we kind of saying the same thing at the time about a graves or a valentine and trying to find you know hey what do we like about these guys i mean it's inherently what you know everyone that reads the site does but then there are also plenty of people that were like where's the fire i mean and these guys have no other offers and all of a sudden their commitments that's a two-way street again i don't want to talk about out of both sides of my mouth but really hard for me to understand you know even at the time with a new defensive line coach, why are those guys, why are you taking their commitment and then asking them to look elsewhere? It didn't make sense because in my mind of minds, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they feel better about this other prospect or this, that, and the other. Then the early signing period goes by and you got guys that, that eventually signed with you that didn't sign. Now, Xavier Benson, I feel like he had the best reason of anyone we talked. Yeah, it, it made sense. Yeah. Outside of that, why didn't why didn't everyone sign in December, right? Um, so I think going forward they'll take a different mentality there. Uh, they'll take a a different look at that. And there's always things. There's always you know uh, these minute things that that kind of lead to one another. And and we could point them out you know every year, right? Uh, but if if the coaches were being honest, they would say there's a lot to like about Patrick Curley. He got a late offer because we missed out on another target. Jacoby Simpson. I mean, flat out. Right. So so you didn't get the linebacker you want. And that linebacker is going to be playing you once a year for the next four to five years. So it's just kind of a double whammy, man. Um, But anyway, I don't I don't want to kind of focus one way or another. I know we kind of wanted to get into who they did sign and, and what is positive about that. But I guess the last question I'll have for you just along these lines is, you know, you've I said six years. You've covered this stuff for what, like almost Seven. 10 years? No, about, this is my this will be my eighth recruiting cycle. Yeah, got it. So, I mean, do you tend to agree that this is pretty funky? I mean, it just it just yeah, it's very out of the ordinary. I, I would say there, there's no that. And, and look, I understand the thought process that and how David Gibbs explained it, where we want to see guys in person before we offer. I, I get that. I get that idea. Um, I, you know, I can appreciate the thought of, you know, wanting to make sure you get your eval right. So my question is, if, if that is the case, you know, what happened with the evals with Cameron Valentine and what happened with the evals with John Graves to make you then backtrack whenever you're, you kind of have this and I think admittedly pretty rigorous evaluation process for defensive prospects. You know, what, what, what was the reason why you felt like you missed on those early on in the process? So it's, it's not me. It's not a condemnation. It's, it's just, I just, I guess I just don't understand it, you, you know? And, and here's the thing. I, I think the last couple of classes that Gibbs and these guys have done a hell of a job of doing really good with their evals and signing guys that fit what they want to do. And a lot of guys that are either playing early and, and are, you know, think solid players or guys that I know that they redshirted that from what I've, we've heard from what, you know, both Lel and I've heard that they're super excited to get on the field next year. 
So uh, there's definitely a two-way street to it, and I think you got to stick to your guns. But at the same time, I think that you're missing out on defensive prospects that you would have had a chance with if you would have either been more consistent or, uh, you know, maybe tried to make a bigger priority, plain and simple. Sure. And I think, I think Otito Ogbanya is a perfect example of that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think they missed the boat there. And, um, again, it's not emptying the bucket or anything like that. But when we report that a kid says that he hasn't talked to Tekka very much, you know, that that affects your pro- that affects your chances in the end. That's where I relate it back to sales. You can't be Johnny come lately, you know, when it when it fits to your schedule or, or when it benefits you. Right. When when he was needing attention, they weren't around. And then when he started getting loved up by these other schools, once he said, once he told that story about UCLA, I knew it was UCLA. I knew it yeah. because just the the description, the detail he provided. I mean, I knew it. And and I don't want to focus too much on him, but the it, it's not about the kid. It's about the strategy. And yes. and we could be sitting here next year, Will, and we could be talking about, oh wow, they signed six or seven defensive linemen. Well, that's a boomer bust mentality. Because yeah. let's be honest, Hutchings is enrolling early. Great kid coming off an ACL. There is, there's, you know, that's your defensive tackle, right? And unless they add a JUCO transfer, or you, or you get Jalen Preston, or you get a uh, uh, Preston from uh, sure, but or, that's or, a, excuse but, me, but, yeah. but that's a one and done. Yeah, that's yeah, a one and done, right? But from yes. a recruiting and building your roster standpoint, if something somehow doesn't work out with Hutchings. Just like when you took, what was it, a couple years ago, you took the six or seven defensive linemen. Hell, three of them aren't even here anymore, you know? Yeah. So so, so uh, we know how futile that can be. So so consider that when you only take one defensive tackle and one defensive end. Forget if you get the junior college guy. So what? We all know that that's coming, whether it's yeah. that kid or someone else. They're going to do that. Uh, but from the high school ranks, there's nobody that can ever convince me that you should take one person – and literally no defensive backs just because you took a bunch last year. Clemson doesn't do that. Alabama doesn't do that. Why is Texas Tech so different, right? I know you're not a blue blood. I know you're not a top 10 team. But fundamentally, right, if they're just – if you – I mean, the, the fact of the matter is if we're not – if we're kind of taking the gloves off, they did offer a bunch of kids, and a bunch of kids told them no. Yeah. You know, but that's not a reason – it's not a reason to just punt and, and only take one or two kids. No, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's fair. And look, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you know, if, if they want to defend who they took and they feel good about it and those kids work out, then I will gladly, you know, sit here and eat my crow and say, I'm, I'm the idiot. You guys know what you're doing and you, you, you did the right <laughs> thing. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know what, maybe maybe it does work out. And if it does work out, like I said, I will be more than happy to be the one that sits up here and eats crow. But it's just it's just so unorthodox from what I've seen for almost, I mean, between following it and doing it for my job, I've been doing it for a decade, and there's just so much out of the ordinary with it. So I, I'm, I'm just curious to see where it goes. And you, I, I will say this, you've already started putting out a bunch of 2019 offers. So we'll right. see where things go with that class. And you've offered a bunch of like four-star and really good players on, on the defensive side of the ball. So if we'll see where things go. I'm, I'm curious to see how uh, Clay Jennings and Brett Dewhurst, you know, how they impact how you recruit, uh, especially defensive backs. I'm also curious to see, you know, what does Terrence Jameson do in uh, his his first, you know, what I would say, 
full, full recruiting cycle yeah. where he's 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 looked at a lot of these 2019 guys now for a lot of these guys for already eight plus months so i'm curious to see where it goes and it may go different moving forward um but but we'll see this is just kind of what we see from the 2018 class now uh before we, we wrap this up matt the thing i think we wanted to do last was uh just kind of talk about maybe a couple of kids from the 2018 class that for each of us that we got on the list and we say, ooh, really like that prospect, really, really intrigued to see what he turns into. So, Matt, just kind of start this. We'll just kind of, we're going to each do five, and uh, if we do the same one, that's fine. Uh, but, but yeah, just kind of we'll go we'll, – we'll flip-flop here, each do five. So who's kind of one, one of the first kids you want to talk about that you really like from this class? Yeah, let's go one at a time because if we both do five, that's over 50% of the class, and we'll, uh, we'll probably double-dip a little we'll just, bit. We'll just do five or six then. If I get to go first, I uh, if 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 I'm talking about guys that just intrigue me and guys that I feel like could uh, really grow into a, a player in in not only this offense but this conference, I'm looking at Keyshawn Carter. Um, you look at a guy that has elite speed, uh, a guy that comes in who is still very young, is probably yet to play his his best full season. Uh, I've reported it; he broke all of Amendola's records at the Woodlands. He's on Team USA for track and field. He's going to run track and field at Tech. Uh, just a who's guy that, one, who's number one in the country right now, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. And, and just a guy that I think you can get in and redshirt and and truly, you know, build into a weapon in this offense. And that honestly is, it's regardless of who is is coaching, who's calling plays, who's doing whatever. When you've got speed like that, I'm sorry about my dog barking here. Uh, it's classic. Everybody's got it. <laughs> but if you've got speed like that and you've got talent like that, I think it's just a great fit all around. Um, and I want to say in the track and field team, like number one in the nation right now. I mean, yep, so it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, a win. Yeah. It's a it's one of those things where it's a win win for Carter and it's a win win for Tech. So I, I like that fit a lot. I like that fit a lot too. You need speed. I think you need guys that can. Uh, as Coach Jones put it in his signing day, whenever on signing day when we talked to him, he said, I need guys that can break X's and O's and can beat any coverage that yeah, we get over the top, and that's what Keyshawn Carter is. So excited to see what you get out of him as far as uh, all that goes. The guy I'm going to go with next, um, and it is one of these under-the-radar guys, but I am just so intrigued by him, and I just, I, I just really think that Tech got something here. I'm going with Sir Roderick Thompson, uh, out of Irving Ranchview as, as a running back. And I know you end up being his only Power 5 offer, but my brother-in-law, just, just kind of peek behind the curtain again, is a coach in DFW, and I know a bunch of coaches in DFW, and they've all just kind of told me that if, if he, just to be blunt, I think if he played anywhere other than Ranchview, he would have got a ton more attention than he did. And I, I think he just is a really good fit for what you're trying to do on offense with your offensive line, with your run game. Uh, he's, he's just kind of a patient runner, uh, really, really like the way that he's got so much balance and, uh, I think can be a really physical player. So, so yeah, the second guy I'll take there is Sir Roderick Thompson, Matt. Yeah. I mean, I don't have very much to add, but he was definitely high on my list. And, you know, I guess when you just consider how a guy like that is still available there at the end, it just speaks to the level of football played here in Texas. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at running backs, I mean, you just look at production and he has that in spades. He's a co-offensive uh, MVP of the entire district. 
And I, you know, again, I don't know a ton about Ranchview. I grew up in Irving. I know it's a newer school. I don't know if it's off the beaten path or what the story is. Um, but they announced him at, we have him on rivals at six foot 200. They announced him on signing day at six one one ninety. Uh, but either way, I, I, yeah, he's definitely high on my list for, for an under the radar guy. So, uh, so yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. Um, if I'm, if I'm going next, I, I really like, again, I, I didn't get to, to get outside of Houston as much as I usually do, but I've heard tremendous things about Hakeem white. Um, and he projects at guard. He's, uh, playing, I want to say he played right tackle this year. That's right. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, uh, you know, again, we, we look at these teams, like you touched on it earlier, where maybe not the biggest Dallas or Houston area type of school, uh, but Waco Midway had a lot of success this year. No they doubt. passed the ball a ton. And so he's going to come into a situation where he's going to get a, a year to red shirt, at least uh, grow into his body. But I think when you look at the changes that Brandon Jones has made and you look at what they're doing for, at that guard position, um, I, I think they're going to just be loaded for years to come. And I think Hakeem White is a little bit under the radar because he was one of the last guys to commit in that offensive line group. Um, but I think there's just a lot to like about him. Uh, you put on his tape and he's pushing guys around and that's a tackle position. So when you're a guard, he's going to have a lot more to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, we had so many years with coach Hayes where we preached six, six and above for everybody. And you don't, if you look up and down this offensive line class, you don't see that, but you just see some bad boys up the middle, just some guys that can, yeah. yeah, Cause they don't need to be six, six to pull and do some of these run schemes that they're trying to do. And um, some of these different concepts. And I just like adding that depth and he's a guy that on tape stands out to me. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I, I think he's going to have to put on some weight, is I think what Coach Jones told us at, at uh, signing day. Uh, but he's a guy I like a lot, athletic, uh, physical. And like you said, they're going to have them pull a lot, and I think he fits that mold. And real quickly, I, I'll, I'll say DeMarcus Marshall is obviously another player we're going to talk about. Uh, I don't want to say a ton because we, we've talked about him a ton. Just wanted to quickly say I think he was a physical mauler. Uh, he is a freak of nature for a kid that is as weighs as much as he does as an athlete. You and I saw him compete last year at our, at uh, Rivals Camp in Dallas, Matt. And for being that kid, he moves. I mean, he is like the the definition of dancing bear, especially as a guard at the next level. So I, th- I think that's a major get and a guy that I think could could play for you. And I'm being serious, could could play for you next year if he needed to. Absolutely. I mean, I think we've been singing his praises on this podcast for months. And there's nothing that changes my mind. I honestly, um, I think that if he gets here and he does the right things, you could see him and Jack Anderson side by side next year. I and do. that'd be crazy sight to see. Um, cause I know you're going to have all five offensive linemen back, but I really think, I mean, um, remind me who's playing left guard, Madison Akinanu. Right. And so he really is a tackle by trade and he's been moved around a little bit. And I know that you've seen DeMarcus. And if he can come in and athletically, you know, and, and I guess uh, stamina-wise, yeah. right, prove that, that he can be there, I mean, gosh, that would open up the run game so much. I mean, he's got one of the best punches. There's, there's a reason why he was immediately rated a four-star. I mean, his punch and, and what he was doing at that camp and what you see on tape, it's he's the real strong. deal. He's strong as a bull. I'll, I'll yep. tell you that, too. And, and Coach Jones said that he was as strong as maybe a lot of these guys they already have on the offensive line starting 
already. So, yeah, I, I think we love we love both those guys on the offensive line a lot. Uh, for the next guy, I'm going to flip it over to DJ. Hey, you're cheating. You're cheating. You're taking my turn now. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's your turn. I'm sorry. No, I'm go sorry. ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. You're you're on a roll. Who are you going to go with? You get, uh, We only we already talked. We haven't talked any defenders, so I'll let you why, take yeah. the first pick. Uh, on defense, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to take John Scott. And I know that nobody really knows much about him, but he plays tight end. He plays defensive end. He's averaging 30 points a game in basketball this year. Uh, this dude is one of those guys that I just have a feeling that you take as kind of a big athlete and you just kind of mold him into whatever you want him to be, whether that's a DT or a DN, or if he's fast enough and stays fast enough at his size, uh, a rush end. I, I, I just love taking guys like this, even if it's kind of at the end of the class. And I know you, you got onto him early, but, uh, these are the kind of guys that I like to take to kind of fill out your, your roster because you can move them around and do a lot of different things with them. So so, so I, I'm just a big fan of him and uh, what I've seen from him just as an athlete so far. I agree with all that, but I think the best thing about John Scott is that he's no doubt going to redshirt. And he might yes, not even yes, factor yes, yes, in yes. until year three um, in terms of full-time play. And, and that is value. You know what I mean? Like that is, again, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I would like them to take two or three guys per year and create that, you know, inevitable competition. Uh, but based on what we know and, and based on how things shook out, he is your defensive end. He's already coming in at 260 pounds, 260 pounds. And, and like you said, he's averaging over 30 points in basketball. I'll just say the last thing about him is I live in Houston. All right. I've been to, what I thought is almost every high school I and only I didn't get to get out to Hitchcock, but all that to say is I've never been to Hitchcock. And some of their games are played like an hour and a half like Southwest in nowhere, Texas. So the fact that he was under the radar a little bit and did have the offers that he had, I mean it, it gives you a little bit of hope there. Um but realistically we don't we don't know till they get into into sure. camp. But yeah, I like you know, all we can do is watch the tape and kind of gauge, you know, what level of football they're playing. But yeah, a lot, lot to like about John Scott as well. Um, I'm going to, I'll move away from defense just because it's easy to do that uh, with the the numbers here. And I'm just going to go back to a kid that, that I know that I've seen. Um, and I'm going back to the slot. I'm going to Sterling Galbon, um, not because he's ever going to, to blow you away uh, with stats or, uh, or, or anything, but he is going to be your Johnny on the spot. Um, not just cause he's a wide inside receiver, uh, but he <laughs> is, um, he, he played at, at, uh, at not the highest of levels in high school. Um, but for a kid from Burnett, Texas to end up on fast seven on seven with all these four and five star guys, and he's out there making plays, he's out there, you know, bucking up and, and really competing with some really, really good teams across the country. Uh, that caught my attention, and this is a kid that had to fight for offers. That's why he originally committed to Iowa State because he really didn't have too many other options. Later in the process, he gets TCU. He meets Coach Morris. They click, um, and then the rest is history with Texas Tech. I love his work ethic. I love his attitude, another early enrollee, and he's already 5'10", 175, and when you just look at that inside position, sure, they've got guys, but it would not surprise me whatsoever to see him back there returning a punt, uh, getting onto the field uh, due to depth and or, you know, God forbid, some sort of an injury situation. But just remember the name Sterling Galvan because, simply put, 
He is uh, addicted to the game of football, loves it, is constantly training, and and he just does not take no for an answer. So, uh, again, I can't fit any more cliches into that, uh, but I just I can't say yeah, enough Brian. about yeah, I can't, but I can't say enough about the kid. I mean, I get to know a yeah, lot of yeah, kids yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot of that can seem fake on social media or when you meet them in person, they're trying to put forth uh, this persona. That's just who he is. And, and uh, he's constantly working. It's a kid that drove from Burnett, Texas to Houston on a weekly basis to train with the footwork King, you know, just to do that. And then, and by proxy, you know, he gets to know these other people. Then he's traveling fast seven on Florida doing all these things and truly making a name for himself. Um, so for him to, to grab a handful of big 12 offers, um, I'm excited to see what he can do. And I think he's a perfect fit for what Texas tech does on offense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, not going to talk about him really, but just wanted to say to Eric as is a guy that we would talk about here, but I, I, I think that not going to mention much cause he's not my lip pick, but I just didn't want us to forget him because he's a great player, uh, probably the best player in your class. I think he's an explosive, big, physical, outside player. Uh, love a lot what you get there. But again, uh, he, he's kind of an obvious, so I didn't want to touch him as much. Um, so uh, the, guy, the guy that I'll mention last, and we'll wrap it up, Matt. The guy I wanted to mention last is, is Myler Royals. And the reason I want to go with him last is I just don't, from what I've seen and everything I know about him and – what I've seen about him as a player, as an athlete, his work ethic, obviously he enrolled early. I just have no idea how nobody else I, – I, I, I don't know how he didn't have a bunch more offers, I guess is what I'm going to say. It's sure. because he is a legit 6'5", 6'6", outside receiver that can run, uh, that has a big old catch radius that honestly is very similar to what T.J. Vasher was coming out of high school. Like they are almost like clones of each other at the high school level. So I I don't know what the, what it was. Maybe it's that he but he was a late bloomer, which I think he kind of was, uh, or if it was just him playing in Abilene and people just didn't get to see him very much. But he is a big time outside receiver, and I, I'm I'm telling you, I don't know how much he'll play next year because I think he needs to put on a bunch of weight. But I'm telling you, I think similar to Tavasher, he is a guy that I think can be a big time outside target for you down the road. Well, absolutely. And I think the story is even better. I mean, it's not like the coaches weren't going to drive through Abilene or weren't going to be familiar with Abilene Cooper. But the story goes, and I don't know if the fans listening to this remember, uh, Abilene Cooper and Grapevine actually played one another. And Kingsbury and Morris were there to watch Alan Bowman. And so what happened was, you know, as Bowman told me, Royals was just eating their lunch and making play after play. And so that's when they were sort of introduced to Myler. They had already hosted him as an unofficial guy, but that was one of those things where, yeah, sure, you want to pass for the game, you can come. Sure, come on. You know, yeah. but, they, but it wasn't a heavy eval or anything like that. Um, so I don't know. I think it, it, it's two birds, one stone, right? You get all the attributes that you mentioned, but you also get a West Texas guy. So you sort of, yes. you know, you, you sort of rest that quota, if you will, and, and keep those guys at home. And, um, you know, I, I'll say this without opening up a big conversation, as much as people kind of talk about social media and, and us admitting that everything is sort of driven, driven by that medium these days, over the course of the years, I will use Myler as a specific example. It has, it has also had a negative effect on kids, right? There are some kids that do not want all that attention. They do not want their profile blown up. They do not want to get onto Twitter and post a notes app about they're thankful to God for this new offer, offer number 17 from so-and-so, right? I mean, it is 
almost satirical how some of this stuff is predictable. And that's all I'll say is, is a kid like Myler, they just don't put themselves out there like that because they don't care. And when you're in Abilene, you know, you may not have all the big dogs coming out there unless there's just a a bunch of talent in that specific area. So um, call it what you will, but I think tech's very happy to have him another kid that enrolls early. So who knows what could happen? I mean, if, if the needs there, you may see him next year, but odds are, very similar to Vasher. You may see uh, uh, bits and pieces, but he'll probably come on a little bit more during his second season in Lubbock. Yep, I I, I think so. So uh, before we, we wrap this up, Matt, anything else you wanted to touch on with uh, this class or just anything else in general? Well, I thought I had one more pick. Okay, and I still, more, then. I honestly still hadn't uh, uh, decided, so I'm going to pick one, but I'll say as an honorable mention, um, however it happened, uh, you you did get Tejon Henry, and I will say yes, here in the yes. Houston area, uh, he's a burner. He he did play at a large program, and so another kid to where in a in a room at running back to where you don't have a lot of clear answers uh, beyond next season. Uh, I think that was a quality pickup late in the process. But the yes, guy I was going to go with, who I kind of mentioned earlier as a as a as a fifty fifty type of deal, Jalen Hutchings. I feel like uh, sorry about that. I feel like uh, <laughs> it's good radio. Uh, I feel like if uh, let's say this, if he played this season, not only would he be a uh, five, six, five, seven, three star, he would have been a defensive player of the year in his conference or excuse me, his district. Uh, because you just look at, I was doing that when I was writing about the, the, the class and I'm going through accolades. Obviously I have to go back to his junior year for that. Um, but you had a kid who, literally at 260, 270 pounds, was playing running back and playing both sides of the ball. Football, I played football. These kids, I know we use the word athletic a lot, but to play at that level and play defensive tackle and running back uh, and and to do what he did, it takes a very athletic kid. And so 6'1", 280 is probably more so barely six foot and 280. But if he can play, uh, and he can move like that and, and recover from that injury, I think you know he'll be a guy that, that you'll hear his name uh, you know, more so here over the next couple of years on defense for Tech. Yep, and I know he was a guy that the staff, just the more and more they got to know him, the more they kind of fell in love with him as kind of a player and as a you know guy for the future. So, yep, excited to see what we get out of him. So uh, before we wrap this thing up, Matt, anything else on, on your mind? Uh, no, I mean, uh, the, the only thing I was going to say is, is we focused a lot on basketball in 2018, uh, but now we're officially turning the page. You kind of touched on it. We've seen more 2019 offers. Uh, I'll be putting together your, you know, your official board, if you will, your list of offers, you know, keeping all of that updated, got some different ways. We're going to, uh, package that, uh, this upcoming season. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting. We're going to, we're going to dedicate an entire podcast to that next week. Um, so, so keep up with us there. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I think the theme of 2018 is, uh, it is what it is. We got the guys we got, let's roll with it. Let's, uh, let's live to fight another day. And I I think that's essentially what we heard from the coaches. Um, if I'm providing any final thoughts on 2018, love what you did on offense. Um, intrigued by, you know, seeing some of these kids participate on defense it's the thing the the reason i'm stuck in the middle is it's kind of funny to me i was joking with a, a friend you you have a new defensive coordinator every year for what six seven years yes and now 
you're going into the fourth year of David Gibbs, who just signed an extension. And, you know, to a man, if I said, you know, you don't need Curly, Benson, Hutchings, or Scott to play remotely, you not even if somebody gets injured, you just don't need them to play. It's crazy to say that out loud. Yeah, uh, it and is. it's crazy to think that. Uh, but if you go to the official roster, you look at it, and even if you configure some of the worst-case scenarios, you know, they've built depth on that side of the ball. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's both a good and a bad thing, right? So I, I don't get too down. I don't get too up. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely uh, encouraged by what the coaches were able to put onto the field this year defensively. And, uh, you know, I, I think they can improve upon that with some of these guys that uh, that get into their second, third years of, of, of being onto the field. So um, on one hand, I think it's a good spot to be in. On the other, I, I definitely I find it hard to disagree with some of the gripes. But uh, but but again, that's why I keep coming back to it is what it is. Let them let them live and die by the, the decisions that they've made uh, here on the roster. Yep, I, I think that's fair. And we're going to find out some of those answers here when spring ball starts in a couple of weeks. But until then, guys, you've been listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Hope you enjoyed it and hope you guys have a great weekend. See ya.